a fan of DevSecOps, our role is to enable the business. DevSecOps makes my job a lot easier um, because I'm not preaching. Developers understand what I'm looking for. So as they're reviewing their code, why not just check the code for security while you're at it? Because if you don't, we're gonna bring it on back. We're gonna have to fix it or patch it. And that just slows down the process. It also impedes the customer or the partner expectations. And that's not what we wanna do. Today's adversaries beyond nation state, a threat in and of themselves, but to a lot of today's adversaries, especially in, in ransomware, are essentially commercial organizations. You call them, or, I wouldn't even call them organized crime. I call them companies at this point. Well, welcome back to Clown Talk, everyone. Obviously, this week, it's all about security. And this is a really interesting conversation. It really comes, while all about security, from two different viewpoints. The first, that of the Rackspace CISO. Now, this is a, a woman, Karen O'Reilly-Smith, who's focused entirely on keeping Rackspace, our employees and our customers safe. And then the second, Gary Alterson returns to Cloud Talk. Now, Gary is our Vice President of, of Security Services here at Rackspace. And these are the services that we use to help our customers be safe and have solutions to wrap around their applications. So they both have a common viewpoint in keeping everything as secure as possible. But the implementation and how they actually exercise this on a day-to-day basis, very different. I think you're in for a huge treat in this week's episode. Now stick around to the end. Some killer information out there. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking the sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. So I made a prediction on a LinkedIn Live yesterday, and that was that there are three areas in technology that if a young person was going to, you know, get into tech and devote their career, that that these one of these three would be ones that their career would last a good long time with, and they wouldn't have to make any major shifts. One, data. If you're interested uh, in, in getting into data, that's one area that there is a surefire career for forever. Second area you got to transport all this stuff. So anything that has to do with networking, especially advanced type of networking, we've got 5G coming up now. Starlink is, is wrapping the world in broadband capabilities, and that's only going to only going to grow. And then, of course, there's one other discipline, and that is insecurity. You know, security has been part of IT since IT existed. Security has been a part of, well, everything. You know, we've had locks on our doors, locks on our businesses. And as technology infiltrated these businesses, we had to have ways to secure them. And and uh, and we were talking, my guests and I were talking yesterday about, you know, security. It was one of these necessary evils. It sort of sat in a corner and it sort of, you know, made sure that the walls were high and deep and the locks were complex. But more and more, security is a part of every aspect of the business. The bad guys just get craftier and world technology continues to grow and expand. So I'm joined today by a couple of amazing security experts. The first is Rackspace's own CISO, and that is Karen O'Reilly-Smith. Karen, welcome to Cloud Talk. It's your first time here. 
It is. Thank you, Jeff, for you know inviting me. I know we talk all the time, so this is great to be part of this. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're extraordinarily, extraordinarily busy. And then, of course, there's Gary Alterson. Gary is a regular around here about once a month or so. He's either in talking about security specifically or how it relates to another aspect of tech. So, Gary, welcome back to Cloud Talk. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Doing great. So we're going to take sort of this different angle as we think and talk about security today. And that is, of course, Karen is focused in large part in, and don't let me put words in your mouth, Karen, you can feel free to jump in, in large part with securing not only the, the data of Rackspace, but our customers in, at Rackspace and making sure that everybody is as safe as we can actually do that. And Gary, of course, focused, as you've heard before, on ensuring that we have all the right products and services to be able to deliver to customers for their specific um, their specific uh, uh, IT implementations, but as we think about security at large, we were we were we were brainstorming a little yesterday with some customers, and I asked you guys each this question. I'm going to let you answer it again, and that is, I would love for you to give what are the the top three elements that help make a strong cybersecurity business. And, uh, and Karen, I think we'll, we'll start with you. That way Gary's got to think a little more on his feet. <laughs> sure. So Jeff, I would tell you if um, strong, three elements of a strong security program, one is a strategy. You have to have a yeah. strategy. Rackspace here, we have a risk-based strategy. So lay out your strategy from start to end. How do you want your program and your mission um, to look in the organization? So that's the first thing I would tell you is lay out a strategy, lay out that three-year plan on how you're going to execute on that strategy. Uh, the next thing I would tell you is look at the maturity. So look at all the domains of security underneath you and do a really good assessment of their maturity. Be honest, know where they're at today and know where you want to take those in the maturity. So that would be my second element. The next would be because as a chief security officer, I'm responsible for data assets and people of a company. Um, I need to know where everything is. Um, so have that you know, that single source, golden source inventory where you know where all the assets are, you know where they sit, you know what they do, you know how they're classified, are they critical, non-critical, and how the data flows in and out of those. Those would be three key elements I would tell you to start with. It's definitely not the end of the list, but it's a good starting right. point. It's a great starting point. And, and we'll talk more about these individual elements, but let's let's dig into strategy just for a second. Uh, you know, when you say strategy, you mentioned three years, you know, how, what are the, what's the refresh point on that? Is it, is it, you know, you create it, you put it in a folder and you, you, you got your PowerPoint deck and it goes with you to meetings or how often are you refreshing that strategy to ensure it's in step with where the company is as an organization, as well as where the threats are? As, uh, yeah, to them. Jeff, Jeff, it's a living and breathing document. And it's one that I, you know, I tell all my leaders, leave it on your desktop. It's something that as we learn from events, as we learn from incidences, as we learn about what's going on in the world, we need to continually update that roadmap. But as a, as a rule, we actually go through it every quarter. Um, we actually go through it the past and say, celebrate those successes that we've yeah. done. What have we met? What have we done? Um, then we'll go through and we'll look forward. We'll look at second quarter, third and fourth. Primarily second quarter, are we ready to execute and implement on what we've documented? What does third and fourth quarter look like? And then as we keep going through the year, we're going to add things to it. We're going to take things away right. and we're going to move things actually off maybe into 2022 or 2023 for various reasons. 
or new adversary, you know, incidents will come up that we need to add to that roadmap, yeah. something we hadn't thought about before. So it's a think of it as a living, breathing document that you're going to keep on your desktop and you're going to really look at it on a regular basis throughout your day and throughout your week. Got it. That's great. That's, that's great advice and a great plan. All right, Gary, over to you. What are those, what are those, your top three things that come to mind today? I know it's, 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 it's ever changing, but what are the top three things yeah. that help build a good yeah, cyber? So much. Uh, but if I had to pick three, I think the first thing is uh, from a tactical perspective, what's one of the best things I can do to reduce my attack surface? Yeah. Uh, and that is have good security hygiene. Harden your systems, understand what vulnerabilities you may have and mitigate them regularly. Patch uh, uh, as new uh, vulnerabilities uh, come out and new versions of software come out to fix those vulnerabilities, regularly patch. A lot of folks have gotten really good maybe in their Windows systems, although given how often we hear of vulnerabilities that have already been patched uh, being used in, in attacks, not everybody is good. In fact, there's quite a few folks who aren't that good. But for those folks who are good in their Windows systems because they're patching after every Microsoft Patch Tuesday and uh, you know automating those deployments, uh, many organizations aren't looking at the rest of their environments, you know, their, their network devices and Linux systems and web servers. Uh, in many cases, a lot of folks, uh, you know, have web servers that are running old versions of code that really, really do need to be patched and updated. Um, yeah. And then, you know, as you move into cloud, also think about security hygiene of your actual cloud accounts and your cloud infrastructure, as well as the applications and VMs that are running there as well. Um, so, you know, hygiene is is the first one, and I would say comprehensive hygiene. Uh, the second thing is as you plan security, uh, keep in mind your business. And it goes to Karen knowing where everything is, but also knowing what's important, which means you need to know what applications you have, uh, um, <clears throat> what's the data in those applications, and which applications are critical. And um, give me one second. Yeah. Pause recording. Edit point. Which means you have to know which applications are critical and then plan your security around those applications end to end. Mm. Um, And think not just about the infrastructure those applications are running on, protecting the applications themselves. The third thing is after you put in all your controls and you do all your planning and all your strategy, assume you're going to fail. Assume you're going to be breached. Now go, what happens now? How do I operate when breached? How do I investigate the breach? How do I contain the breach? How do I recover from a breach? How do I make sure that the data I have still has integrity? Uh, how do I research if it was stolen? How do I recover if I have ransomware? Um, you know, how do I establish trust uh, uh, in, a, in a, when when things have been breached? Um, how do I communicate? You know, uh, assume failure and now go. Now what if? How do we how do we run our business and recover from that failure? Well, I think it's a really uh, good one to kind of dig into this. Assume you're going to fail. 
you know, there can be a lot of questions as to why would you assume failure? And, and trust us, we've seen so much. Just assume failure. The bad guys are crafty. These are incredibly complex moving systems. And so if you're going to assume failure, Karen, you talk about tabletop exercises. So assume failure means, okay, let's plan for failure. Let's pretend we failed. Let's pretend we've been hacked. Talk to me a little bit about these tabletop exercises and, and their, their, their intent and their outcome. Sure. And I, I love what Gary says about, you know, um, you know, a plan on failure Come on, we all know you learn more from your failures mm-hmm. than you do from your successes anyhow, because you're like, I don't want to repeat that. I want to learn from the failure, whether it's yours or somebody else's. So in terms of tabletops, what we do, Jeff, is not only do we look at incidences that may impact maybe our organization directly, but we also look at those incidents that happen outside of our organization. So a good one to, um, is the the recent one with pipeline. Yeah. Um, so that we're not an oil company. Rackspace is not an oil company, but it's a good exercise on how the adversaries attacked where we could take that particular incident, kind of tweak it a little bit and say, okay, now if that happened at Rackspace, how, what would happen to us? How would we have handled it? So run an actual tabletop exercise. If you're taking the incident directly from real life and putting it into a tabletop, That's great, too. Um, Gary talked about have a really solid incident response program. Part of that program and one of the most really takeaways is the lessons learned. What did you learn from that past incident? Did you go back and apply those lessons into your processes? Did you update your playbooks? You got to make sure we're taking the lessons forward. And I think that's a real important part because we're all going to, you know, no one's perfect at this. I mean, we're learning as we go. The adversaries are getting smarter and we need to be smarter. So we've got to learn, take a lot of notes and keep practicing to be more proactive. That's, that's great. And Gary talks a lot about how it's not just that the adversaries are getting smarter they're getting more organized. You know, we've had nation state issues, you know, they've been organized well, but I mean, these are, these are commercial endeavors at this point, Gary, maybe you can, you can talk a little about that. Yeah. If you were talking to me at the beginning of my career, we have been talking about script kiddies, high yeah. school kids who, you know, want to have some fun and, and try to do some things and wreak some havoc. Uh, um, but today's, adversaries um, beyond nation state, uh, uh, which are really advanced and, um, you know, are, are, are uh, a threat in and of themselves. Um, yeah. But to a lot of today's adversaries, especially in, in ransomware, are essentially commercial organizations. You call them, orga- I wouldn't even call them organized crime. I call them companies at this point. Right. Um, they're, they're companies that operate uh, um in an area that's pretty shady there uh they've got codes of conduct um they have customers like there's there's organizations that offer ransomware as a service you know me as a customer i do the hacking i place the ransomware down in the target i want uh um and after that you take over you do the encryption you steal the data um and you negotiate a payment and then i just get a cut as the customer um, or affiliate, um, right. you know, it's, it's, and now we're starting to see some of those organizations ask for funding, right? So they're, they're like selling shares in That's their, uh, their operations. It's, it, it mirrors what we do in corporate. 
life and legitimate corporate life. Right, right. If only they would apply themselves to something maybe a little less illegal and nefarious. Well, well that's between the two of us, <laughs> so, so, one group of us are in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, so let's go back to, I don't know why I'm focused on failure today, but, um, you know, Gary used the word trust before, making sure you've, you've got good trust. But one of the things that people are doing more and more now, especially with the publicity around ransomware, is cyber insurance. You know, what, what are your thoughts there? I was listening to an, an interview yesterday where even the bad guys are paying attention to who has it because they're more likely to pay, or at least for them to be able to get money. But what are your thoughts? And, you know, take us through that a bit. Yeah, I think for me, and Karen can comment as a CISO, um, uh, I th- when you assume that you're going to have a breach um, and there's going to be an impact and potentially uh, a, a breach from an adversary who has placed ransomware uh, into your systems, that uh, even if you were able to decrypt, they've probably stolen some data as well and they're... If you don't pay them, they're going to make that public and it's going to be embarrassing and, you know, uh, might not be uh, um, in your best interest. It's probably in your best interest to pay. Um, and, and I mean, that's the currency in which um, the ransomware operators, you know, thrive on. However, um, in that situation, uh, it makes a lot of sense to help mitigate some of that risk right. through uh, through insurance. Right. Karen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of agree with Gary. It's kind of like any kind of an insurance policy. Um, You want a little bit there to minimize the cost to the company. I will tell you, you know, Jeff and Gary, when we go through, you know, analyst reports, when I go through the board reports, when I go through regulators, one of the things they ask is, do you have cyber insurance? Mm -hmm. Um, So they're looking for that insurance that we've got something there um, in case we do have to pay. Maybe it won't be a big impact for a company. Um, And it kind of buys you. I'm not going to say it's it's, it's not a guarantee for anything, Um, but it kind of gives you a little bit more of insurance um, that you've got something as a background or backbone there. So, I, you know, I, I think it is has it's come up in the last years more and more prevalent. Uh, companies do ask us about it on a regular basis. Um, and most companies you're seeing have some kind of cyber insurance. That makes sense. Hey, let's let's turn tables just a little bit now. And because, um, Karen, you have the opportunity. You, you mentioned, you know, talking to regulators, talking to the board. Security is is now part of every aspect of IT. It's not segregated. It's not separate. And so it means that that your role uh, here inside of Rackspace or any any CISO for that matter has got to have, be able to have these security conversations and build a security minded mm-hmm. culture, but also be able to speak security kind of north, you know, to to your leadership and, and leadership's leadership. What are some of your strategies of how to communicate uh, your uh, or any um, cybersecurity strategy to to leadership in ways that you know make an impact and and don't cause eyes to roll, glaze over, or people to get freaked out. Uh, my normal, you know, method when I'm communicating with either executive leadership team or the board um, is I keep the slides to a minimum. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking at the things across the enterprise program that would really hone in on either where we've been mm-hmm. or how we've matured. Um, and I really do, and I keep it at a very high executive level. 
Um, I try to talk in terms of plain English so everyone in the room understands because you don't know sometimes what everyone's depth of security is or technology is. Um, acronyms come off the table. Um, don't talk in acronyms. Um, explain. I use a lot of analogies too um, to make it more like you can you know more recognize it and be familiar with it. The other thing I would tell you is when you're going up to the board, also tell them about things. So not only do I talk about what I've currently been doing um, and how we've matured, but I always tell them what's going on in the world. Maybe mm-hmm. things that we've dodged that golden bullet that didn't hit rack space. So I'll tell them about that because they're curious about those things yeah. like Colonial Pipeline. Were we impacted by that? They're going to ask. So I'm usually prepared with two or three that have recently happened since the last time we've met. And I'll say either, yes, we were impacted, minor impact. We were not impacted, but here's what we did with that incident. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I would say is Make sure you ask them what you need. So whether you need support, resources, money, this is the time to ask them, what do you need from them? Because that's what they're there for. Not only are they there to hear the update, but they also want to know, what do you need from them? Why am Mm -hmm. I presenting to them? You know, what can they do for me? And you can't be shy about it. When there's always a need, isn't there, with the the evolving um, threat landscape, uh, Gary, to go back to something that you said earlier, and it was kind of almost how you even led that first point of building a strong cybersecurity uh, practice, and that was reducing the attack surface. And that's a great aspirational goal, but how much can you actually do that as more and more of our organizations are now digitized, more and more digital transformation, less and less manual processes. Here's my paper. You can hear it in the microphone, but but that paper goes away, and now it's digitized and running in you know, storage of, of choice, how or what strategies can folks employ to build a strong security partnership with the rest of the organization so that even though not been, not, may not necessarily be able to minimize an attack surface or the amount of attack that's there, but, but to, ba- to raise that security mindset in an organization. Yeah, there's uh, um Creating that security mindset is, is I think, really, really important, especially in larger organizations and diverse organizations, especially organizations and organizations that are moving to the cloud yeah. and are, um, you know, moving towards DevOps and more automated and agile methodologies. Um, it's really, really important to have build security champions uh, across the organization. You see a lot of large organizations doing this formally with business information security officers over business lines, and then people responsible in individual development teams and in operational teams for for security. Uh, In in DevOps, you you see the rise of DevSecOps and security champions uh, across development teams. So to help diffuse not just security knowledge, but the security decision-making through the organizations. And on top of that, in addition to Having helping people make better decisions, be more security literate, more security aware uh, across organization, you also see a rise in automation um, mm. to as things move faster and as there's more things because the old things never go away. Automation it becomes a, a, a force multiplier in being able to achieve your security objectives. 
Oh, there's a lot to unpack there, and I'm going to go back to one in a second. But but first, I want to go over to uh, go over to Karen because you you get to do that for us for seven thousand employees of Rackspace. You know, how do you employ that more than because in the old days we had security awareness training once once a year or twice a year. We had to you know take twenty minute video, watch a video, and take a test. But that doesn't cut it anymore. How do you handle that? Yeah, it's every day. I mean, you know, you need to reach out to people all the time. Um, Yes, we do a bang up job, you know, in security month, um, security awareness month and do a lot of great things around the company. But we also do it throughout the year. So we'll put out a newsletter on just something interesting around security Um, or we'll talk about one of the recent incidences and how it how it did or did not impact Rackspace or, you know, maybe what the whole incident was about. People hear solar winds and they're like, what is solar winds we proactively tell them what it is right. um, and what happened in the solar winds um, so i think it's that to keep it at the forefront we also do a newsletter uh, we do a lot of lunch and learns i have a lot of different areas come up and say hey can you come talk to my group about security um, um, you know Gary talked about, you know, secure development life cycle. Um, you know, that's important to embed security. And we do talk to a lot of technology groups and they go, what does this mean for me? How should I be developing? You know, where does security fit within this life cycle? It fits from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, we also talk to a lot of customers from Rackspace. So we get a lot of customers that want to talk to us in general, um, just about incidences, maybe how we do, you know, how we handle an incident, what our playbook looks like. They want to know about you know, if they get ransomware, what do they do? What's the first place they start? So it's that I think it's keeping the communication channels open and being out there enough. Myself and my leaders are always out there talking to anybody who wants to talk about security. Well, and Gary used the term um, security champions. You know, that sounds like somebody who is security minded, but their job isn't necessarily security. Uh, I, I love that. Gary, how, how do we go about doing that kind of thing? Because you know, with with this being one of Jeff's big three predictions, security, I, you have a career in security. There's a lot of people who may be listening to this who aren't in security, but think that ah, sounds like fun. How do you, how does somebody start going in, getting in into this? Into it as, as a as a profession or, or building the security champions. There's yeah, the, kind of got a little uh, of each. Maybe that's a first a step. Beach. Yeah, I think you know. Security champions are, are um, a security champion program is usually started up by the security organization, right? As an organization starts, especially as an organization starts to uh, move towards DevOps and DevSecOps, um, and uh, essentially what it is is finding those people who are interested in security uh, across the teams, and, and usually you can find one or two because, as you've said, it's it's a great thing to know for your career, right. um, and. Uh, essentially bringing them together and doing almost what Karen said, you know, training them up a little bit, giving them some insights, giving them, you know, some, some resources. And you start over time through formalized, maybe training sessions, brown bags, you know, uh, uh, references to really good websites. Um, you, You start training them up in the things they need to know from a security perspective, especially as a developer. Right. right? Um, and, and, and you go from there and it usually piques people's interests. And then as, as people move on into the profession, there's all sorts of professional certifications and training classes from a multitude of organizations who, that are really, really good that will help folks uh, train up, um, lots of resources just on the internet, you know, um, 
Twitter feeds is how I get a lot of information now. It's just by monitoring a, a whole bunch of experts' tweets and going, oh, that's well, that's new. That's different. I haven't heard of that. Let me go research that. Or, wow, that guy's usually got some really great insights. Let me go read the blog post he just tweeted about. Right. Um, and, and you learn a lot from that as well. Uh, and then, you know, no, can't say enough about industry conferences and, and networking and you don't even have to go spend a lot of money and go to Black Hat or, or DEF CON or, or RSA. You know, most or most uh, areas have at least local chapters of ISACA or InfraGuard um, or ISC Square that, where you can get a lot of information there locally without having to, to move and in, in, in network across the community. Right. Karen, how do you stay current with everything going so, moving so quickly? Similar, yeah, similar to add on to what Gary said. I mean, I belong to a couple of CISO forums um, where CISOs across industries um, get together and talk about one's an international group, um, one's local here to San Antonio. Um, and we really talk about, you know, what's on the plate? What are we concerned about as CISOs? And we actually share ideas. Um, if we're having a particular issue with one thing or another, I mean, we talk about it. Um, you know, we, we're very comfortable about, you know, we, we know NDA, uh, we know not to share, you know, secret sauce of different companies, but we talk about the situation as security professionals and maybe share some of what we've done um, or how we've gotten through it. Also, I rely on a lot of previous people I've worked with. Um, so not not concerned with, you know, I mean, I, I'd call a former boss up and ask them, you know, um, hey, I've got the situation. Here's the kind of thing I'm thinking of walking through. What do you think of it? Even asking about different tools. Um, so I'll call people up and ask about this tool or that tool. Um, and like Gary, I, I do a lot. I mean, LinkedIn, I just get a lot of good articles about security on LinkedIn, uh, yeah. Twitter, um, just from different blogs. I follow different security professionals um, and they'll produce a, a blog or a paper and I read on that. But a lot of it, it's just, you got to stay current. You got to stay learning. That makes let's sense. Not, let's not forget, also listen to the Solve podcast. <laughs> That's right. The Solve podcast uh, is, is a great resource for some amazing uh, individuals. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't subscribed, go to wherever you find <laughs> Hey, um, let's, uh, let's, let's turn into a little bit more, uh, we'll tech on process and then maybe we'll get into some tech itself. But you know, the we, Gary, I think you used the term before DevSecOps. Obviously, that's an, an outgrowth and evolution of where we are with, with DevOps. You know, how about some definitions and understanding of, of what we're talking about there and why it's important? Sure. Uh, if you think back a little bit and, and actually you look across organizations today, a lot of software development was and still is uh, basically uses a, a, a waterfall methodology, meaning I, I have a fixed set of time where all I do is requirements. And then we sign off on the requirements and they're, they're frozen. And then I go to the next phase where it's development and I do nothing but development. And then I sign off and say, I'm done. And then I go into testing. And then, and then after, you know, testing UAT, and then after UAT, then uh, infrastructure acceptance, and then I deploy, right? And and the whole process takes a really, really long time. There's lots of governance, heavy governance around it. And, um, you know, as, as a software function, you maybe release a couple times a year. And uh, as the cloud has allowed for a lot more automation um, and the demands of an organization, especially an organization being disrupted digitally, uh, uh, 
requires uh, organizations to move faster. And so we've developed agile DevOps methodologies to essentially be able to code, test, and deploy really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, without a whole bunch of extra governance, uh, where as organizations might um, deploy one or two code releases a year, you know, now they're deploying maybe once every two weeks. And I've even had some customers that deploy thousands of times a day. Each individual developer just does their own deployment. Right. Um, and so in that security teams have had to adjust from to that water, from that waterfall methodology to the DevOps methodology, which means that a lot of that security requirements development and gathering needed to be diffuse essentially into the the development teams um, where automation is possible, you know, automate that requirements um, documentation, um, you know, do security testing uh, in an automated fashion. So as I'm checking in code, it's automatically you know, validated from a security standpoint and defects are being created uh, uh, automatically for the developer to go fix. And then as it's compiled, you know, there's there's additional analysis uh, that are done. And again, you're spitting out defects. If I'm pulling down different repositories from open source, you know, I'm doing composition analysis so I know what kind of vulnerabilities I'm inheriting. And then, you know, and then things get deployed, but there's a whole lot of automation involved. So it's, it's, it's distributed. Uh, in terms of decision making and as much as possible automated from a security standpoint. And that's really the, 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 the gist of DevSecOps is how I insert security into this really fast moving world. It really does seem that automation is one of those common denominators in so many aspects of technology, but especially here, whenever we can remove as much as possible the opportunity for, for human error whether that's specifically in um, in in how some uh, a policy or something is applied, or even human error in, hey, you know what, that guy who left the company forgot to turn his his, his account off, and uh, and now and now you know we're not, we haven't updated the password because he's not around to do it. Um, as much as possible, using tooling to create automation to do the drudgery so that humans can do the stuff that's fun and exciting and, and where we really shine. Anything to add into that, Karen? Now, I'm a fan of DevSecOps. I mean, I would have to be, obviously, yeah. um, sitting in the security position. Um, and, you know, our role is to enable the business. I'm not here to impede the business. I'm not here to stop it. And DevSecOps makes my job a lot easier um, because I'm not preaching. Um, you know, it's already embedded in there. Um, the dev um, developers understand what I'm looking for. So as they're reviewing their code, why not just check the code for security while you're at it? Um, because in mine, when my point of view is once we get done and we implement that, if we've done it in a secure manner, that's so much nicer to get that product out there and that service and that, you know, tool out there quicker and also more securely. Because if you don't, we're going to bring it on back. We're going to have to fix it or patch it. And that just slows down the process. It also impedes the customer or the partner expectations. And that's not what we want to do. Right. So I'm not here to stop things, but I am here to enable the business, but just do it securely. Yeah. One of the things that I'm so excited about, about where security has, has grown inside of IT 
Again, it's not it's not the 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 folks back in one specific office area or in specific building and throwing policy you know over the wall for everyone to follow. You know, somebody used the term earlier partnership. I mean, it's it's about a partnership with the business to ensure the business can move as fast as possible and be as safe as possible. I mentioned this when we were talking to our customers just the other day. And I thought it was interesting that you think about the fact that with the evolution of the car, you know, the, the one of the biggest inventions to help a car go faster in the earliest days was the brakes. You've got to have controls and the ability to uh, to control what's happening before you can actually move faster. But with that, well, we can go really fast now. Well, folks, thanks so much. We could we could carry on for another couple of hours, I think, and uh, would love to have you back here in the next month or two. And we'll continue digging into what it what is modern cybersecurity mean? What has changed since? Uh, you know, since we talked this time, what will be different? But thanks so much for taking the time, Karen and Gary, for being a part of the podcast today. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Well, a huge thank you to Gary and Karen for being a part of the program today. Uh, hopefully you got as much out of it as I did. Now, that type of content, that kind of deep awareness and understanding of tech, whether it's security or so many different areas, is just the kind of thing that you're going to hear at the Solve Conference coming up in just a few weeks on August 3rd and 4th. Now, this is a free conference. You can sign up by heading over to rackspace.com slash solve slash conference. Now at the conference on the first day, it's all sorts of interesting educational stuff. In fact, thinking of security, there is an all day event called Hack the Box, there to sharpen your own cybersecurity skills in a fun, engaging, game-based way. Well, and it even models capture the flag. I think you're really going to enjoy that. And then on the 4th is an amazing event. It's a jam-packed day of keynote sessions by Bernard Marr, uh, myself, and also Guy Kawasaki. Now, for the rest of the day, on the 4th, three separate tracks for the CXO group, one for the techies, and then also one for the general business user. Because as we know, all three of these communities need to enhance their technical chops. And that's what the Solve Conference is all about. All the amazing tech, how you can apply it today. So make sure you sign up by heading over to rackspace.com slash solve slash conference. Look forward to seeing you there. Now, as always, a huge thank you to Dell Technologies, an amazing company, and they also are a huge sponsor and supporter of the Solve program here at Rackspace. All right, guys, I'm Jeff Deverter, the host here at Cloud Talk, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. We have another amazing one coming next week, and the easiest way for you to subscribe in your podcast app of choice to Cloud Talk.